0: It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Thursday, September 16th on. So week two fantasy football diving in headlong here. Uh, These weeks go quickly once we get into the season, and uh, this should be a fun one, no doubt about it this week. We'll see if we get uh, some confirmation on what we saw in week one or vice versa. Remember, week one can be an anomaly. Every year we see things that happen in week one that aren't a great indicator of what's going to happen the rest of the year, so we'll see. We'll see. Of course, we'll process that every step of the way with you, and uh, just a word to the wise, yet again, I I try and be as clear-cut as possible when it comes to start-sit decisions. I don't, me personally, ever want to come up with crazy narratives to talk myself into starting somebody, and I certainly don't want to go based on whatever the heck your gut is, I've often said my gut has only gotten me 20 pounds overweight in my life. It hasn't done anything other than that for me. And when it comes to these decisions, I really want to do all the research possible. Now, of course, I get paid to do this. You may not have that opportunity. If you do, that's cool. But if you don't, the easiest way to make a start decision based on what I would do, if you want to do what I would do, or what our consensus would do at FTN, or whatever your favorite fantasy analyst is, The easiest way is to use their rankings. Now, I know I preach in the preseason to be flexible with rankings, but that's because we are not looking at a very finite outcome. We're looking at a wide range of outcomes over the course of 17 weeks. Whereas in the season, we're looking at a fairly finite outcome. I realize anything can happen in any given game, but the amount of outcomes is sizably smaller. Over the course of one week. So, I really want to be strict to rankings. And if you have a flex decision, I do have flex rankings. I like everything. I always just use my half point PPR rankings, but I do put up PPR and non PPR for you as well. Over at FTNFantasy.com, the price is cheaper. So, use the promo code Pack to make it even cheaper. We reduce the price now that the season has started, but there's still time to get in. You can get in at any point. That's the beauty to it. So, today, On the podcast, we will break down wide receiver cornerback matchups for you, upgrades and downgrades. And remember, I am talking to two different audiences here. I'm talking to a DFS crowd. I'm talking to a season-long crowd. And you might be part of both of those crowds. However, we can't reach the same conclusions on one side of that fence or the other. So there are certain players, like the first player I'll talk about in terms of rank uh, matchup upgrade you're never going to bench him in season-long fantasy football like ever unless he's hurt, suspended, or something like that. But if he's on the field, he's playing for you. Whereas in DFS, when you're factoring in a price point, well, you may not use him, right? It's two different mindsets there. So I am talking to two different audiences. Sometimes the season-long crowd really goes way overboard with the matchup, and they shouldn't. The DFS crowd, of course, is going to consider matchups because, again, you're you're talking not just start the best players. You're talking best players in best matchups at best price points. It, it's a little bit of a different mindset. So keep that in mind. Of course, over at ftnfantasy.com, you do get the uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup tool, the shadow coverage index. We also have our advanced DVP, defense versus position tool, that will show you how uh, defense is fair against right wide receiver, left wide receiver, slot receiver. And that is not um, Jarvis Landry is the slot receiver, but he's lined up on the outside. If Jarvis Landry is the left wide receiver on a play, that's what we're charting. We're not saying uh, against a guy who who is designated as a slot receiver. It's actually their pre-snap alignment in that tool. So it's pretty good. It's a pretty good tool. You can use that in conjunction with the uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup tool. Devontae Adams was the player I was alluding to. He's never out of your starting lineup in season long. But this is a week where you could pay up for him for sure in DFS. It's against Detroit. And Detroit entering the season was already one of the worst secondaries on paper. And they lost one of their starters. Jeffrey Okuda out season ender. So Ifedi Melifanwu is going to be, I mean, forced to play corner. I think if they had their way, he'd be playing safety. I mean, you just call him a defensive back, but he's out there as a rookie against Devontae Adams, and and it's not a shadow coverage situation, but wh- what do you think you're going to do if you're Green Bay? You're going to try and get Adams up against the rookie corner and then let Aaron Rodgers pick on him? Of course. Of course. Now, we do know the way to defend Aaron Rodgers to, is to hit him in the nuts, apparently, but... Uh, Maybe he'll protect them this week. I don't know. If you haven't heard that story, he did get you know a nut shot, and uh, that was why he threw one of the interceptions. But either way, I think Adams goes off in this one, nut shot or not. I think Keenan Allen goes off against Dallas. We saw a heavy volume for him last week, 13 targets. Now, Dallas used Trayvon Diggs in shadow coverage up against Mike Evans. Here's what I'll say about that. Mike Evans, they prioritize. Will they prioritize Keenan Allen? Highly unlikely, not because he's not their best receiver, because he certainly is. It's because he does play primarily in the slot. That is his main position. So typically, these teams will not shadow a guy who is primarily a slot receiver. That's commonly what we see. So out of the slot, you know who Keenan Allen is going to face? Jordan Lewis when he's in the slot. You might remember Jordan Lewis from last Thursday night when Chris Godwin went to town on him. Five catches for 69 yards and a score against Godwin in that contest, so Keenan Allen should have his absolute way. Likewise, the Seattle boys, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett should have no problem against the Tennessee secondary. Jack Rabbit Jenkins and Elijah Molden. They both allowed touchdowns in their, school, in their coverage last week. Russell Wilson throwing for four touchdowns last week and always throws to the end zone. So I think the Seattle passing game goes nuts yet again here against a very, very suspect Tennessee Titans secondary. I just mentioned Mike Evans. I, I think here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, and I want to dispel some myths about Mike Evans, and I want to talk about this matchup for the Tampa Bay Bucs against the Falcons secondary. So opposing defenses tend to view Mike Evans as the best wide receiver on the Tampa offense, the wide receiver who deserves shadow coverage the most. This is a common theme. This is not new as of this year. It's happened continually over the years. And in week one, we saw that Trayvon Diggs was on Mike Evans. Now, historically, what we would see then is, all right, you have Chris Godwin there and opposing defenses really just need to shut him down. And if you can do that, you can contain this offense, but right now, you hey, you could try and shut Chris Godwin down, and guess what? Antonio Brown's going to go off. You could try and shut both of them down along with Mike Evans. Good luck, by the way. I don't think any team in the league outside of a, maybe two or three, Denver, Cleveland maybe, the Rams have enough firepower at, at cornerback to do that. But even if you could do that, Rob Gronkowski's now going to kill you. Pick your poison. So anybody who said what's wrong with Mike Evans just didn't really watch that game or watch it closely enough cuz you saw you saw digs all over the place with him in that one and it was Tom Brady making a conscious decision to simply just not throw it to Evans. There's nothing wrong with Evans. And in fact, the the fact that the Cowboys prioritized him should tell us more than more than enough. More than what we need to know from Mike Evans for fantasy purposes. And I love him to rebound in a big way against Atlanta. That secondary allowed uh, 10 catches on 12 targets, the four corners who played for them last week. So giddy up, Mike Evans. I love Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown as well in this one. I talked about that yesterday. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. will not be playing this week. So Jarvis Landry figures to be this. He's the top target for the Browns. He's going to be out of the slot primarily where he'll face a lot of Desmond King. Now, Desmond King does a nice job of keeping the ball in front of him, but at the same time, he allowed seven catches on eight targets in week one. Could be a high-volume game here for Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jerry Judy obviously won't be playing for Denver. I talked about this yesterday. It'll be Courtland Sutton, who saw shadow coverage of his own last week from James Bradbury, but Sutton, Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler in season long. The only one of these guys who I am using is Cortland Sutton. I know you might have picked up Tim Patrick, and hey, good on you. You should be shuffling your bench around. But Cortland Sutton is the only one worth using. In DFS, where we have price points that come into play, they're all interesting for a variety of reasons. I mean, the Jag secondary, it was Terod Taylor, and they were still getting lit up last week. 190 yards on 12 catches is what they allowed So they're all appealing, but for season long, it's just too risky to use Tim Patrick or KJ Hamler at this point. So I'm feigning them in season long, but in DFS, I want a piece of these guys. Cincinnati used Awuzie to shadow last week. He could certainly be on Allen Robinson in this one, and it's a prime example of shadow coverage not always being a bad thing. Uh, Awuzie saw 10 targets in the opener, heavy volume for Allen Robinson in this sweet, sweet, sweet revenge game for Andy Dalton. Let's go to the downgrades. Stephon Diggs against Miami. I don't know if Miami shadows. I'd say it's a 50% chance. I mean, they didn't last week, but they weren't facing a wide receiver the caliber of Stephon Diggs. If they do shadow, it's Xavier Howard. Even if they don't shadow, he's going to see plenty of Xavier Howard. And Howard only saw three targets last week, did a nice job. He allowed a catch on all three of them, but only for 20 yards so I just don't see Allen going after Howard, and that could put a damper on Stephon Diggs this week. In season long, you start him in DFS. You you definitely have to avoid at his price. Brandon Cooks versus Cleveland. I loved what we saw out of Cooks in the opener. Five for 132, but that was against the Jags. This is against one of the best secondaries in the league. I don't expect shadow coverage here, but you look at Denzel Warden, I think Greg Newsom's going to be a good pro. You look at what they did, they were both rock solid in the opener, and yes, I know that Patrick Mahomes still got his, but it really wasn't because of those guys. Those guys, that that's a secondary, man. That is a secondary right there. So Cooks is going to take a step back. I'd still start him as a wide receiver three in season long, but I'm going to look elsewhere in DFS this week. Tyrell Williams is in the concussion protocol, may not play. uh, Doesn't look very promising, but if he does, he's not an option against the Packers secondary. How about this? Zach Pascal, Michael Pittman. I know a lot of people picked up Zach Pascal, not using him. All I have to do is look to the schedule. They're facing the Rams. Pascal is most likely to be in the slot. Now, he moves around the formation just like Michael Pittman does, but when he is in the slot, guess who he faces? Jalen Ramsey, good luck. Not using those guys in season long, and really not high on them, uh, in DFS either for obvious reasons. And then the Jacksonville guys, I think you could flex out if you had DJ Chark, if you had Laviska Chenault, if you had Marvin Jones. I think you could flex them out in season long. Not DFS options though for me. They're going up against Denver. Denver is arguably the deepest secondary in the league. Even with Ronald Darby banged up, they still have talent. I mean, they they've Sertan, waiting in the wings. So I, I, I this is gonna be a this is a litmus test for sure for Trevor Lawrence and that team. Just it's a rough situation. So I'm fading those guys there. If you want the rest of the matchups, of course, you can get them over at ftnfantasy.com. Remember, the way that I do it is I grade out the matchups, not only based on the strength of the corners that the receiver is going to face, and remember, they're going to face multiple corners, unless it's a shadow situation, but also based on the skill of the receiver. So, you know, historically, these types of charts would make it look like a good receiver against a good, a really good corner is a devastatingly bad matchup, when the reality is they kind of cancel each other out a little bit. And I think that's an important thing to, to, to remember. Too many times I've seen people talk themselves out of making a solid play in season-long fantasy football simply because they perceived a bad matchup while ignoring the skill level of the player that they uh, were considering. Now it doesn't work always, but that's part of the process, right? That is part of the process. Process over results. Uh, All right. Tomorrow on the show, I will break down all of the week two matchups game by game. I will do just like I did last week where I'll tell you a thing or two, pretty much about every single fantasy relevant player in the span of about 15 to 20 minutes. Don't try that at home. And get you set up here for all this action. In the meantime, ftnfantasy.com if you want player prop bets ftnbets.com, promo code RATPACK on both of those. And, of course, I am at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. And I will catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.